Okay, well, good morning. If you got a Bible, would you grab it, please? And I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Luke. I'm excited about today. Um, and if you were to ask me what holiday I love the most, you know, the old debate, Thanksgiving, Christmas, I'll probably say neither. I'd probably say right now. Um, my, my daughter and I, we talk, a lo- we talk a lot about this is the season we love the most. It's the build-up to Christmas, almost to the point of better than Christmas. It's the preparation and the celebration and the songs and the decor and all that comes. The food. Uh, all the things that we're going to do to prepare for Christmas. Um, and this is what I love. I love the morning of Advent as we're going to talk about hope. I love tonight hanging in the greens, all of that stuff. And it's kind of disappre- depressing when December 26th comes and Christmas is over. Uh, and you got to start putting stuff up. All the stuff you got out, you got to put it back up. Um, but I'm excited about today. Luke chapter 1, we'll be there in just a minute. But I want to talk to you a little bit about hope. We're going to celebrate today. Um, this may uh, surprise you, but. Um, I, I just want to encourage you, uh, man, I love this season. I love the buildup. I said it last year, and I'm going to say it the year before that. Uh, I just want to encourage you to, to fight for Sundays, to be here, to press in, because I believe with all of my heart that this time of year, uh, in the holidays, Easter as well, that there is something, we're a little bit more spiritually sensitive to the things of God. And so press in, plug in, uh, fight for, for, for opportunities to worship and give God all the glory he deserves. Uh, but let's talk about this. This idea of hope. In celebration of hope, it's interesting because uh, this time of year can also be one of the most hopeless times for so many. I was sitting there thinking about this, and we're singing, God, you're so good. And I love that song because I love the repetition of it because here's the truth. If I could throw this out there, there may be some of you in this room that you're wrestling with that. Maybe you didn't say a word because circumstances of life has squeezed you so much. And now you're sitting there, maybe like I've done in times, and thinking, God, I think you're good. God, I want to know that you're, I want to believe that you're good, but I'm struggling. I don't think I'm the only one in course of stages of my life where there's been moments where you or I, maybe we're thinking, God, I want to believe that you're good, but life is pretty hard right now. Did you know, maybe you know this, but this holiday season, it's the, sometimes it's statistically one of the most depressing times of year for so many. Uh, I looked something up this morning, and the, the American Psych- Psychological Association says that 38% of people, their increased stress levels go up during the holiday season. It can lead to increased alcohol abuse, substance abuse, anxiety, depression. They even have a term for it. You probably already knew this. Seasonal, I think they made this up just so the letters match. Seasonal affective, affective with an A, disorder. I think they just made that up to spell the word sad. I'm just going to throw that out there. Uh, but it's a true thing. But here's the thing. It's, there's literally diagnosis of clinical depression, of things that happen, and things of realities of life that press in. And maybe you felt that because it's these ideas of general social stresses. Maybe it's mental and physical fatigue. Maybe it's pressures of planning, family, and trips. Who's going where? What are we going to do? How are we going to get there? Maybe it's financial pressures. These are real things of overextending yourself financially. How are we going to pay for all this? How are we, we going to make enough? How are we going to handle these business decisions? Maybe family gatherings, maybe you're stressed out thinking, man, we got to go there this year, and you're thinking, oh, so-and-so there. Everybody's got that relative in their family, and you're thinking, oh, and if you don't, you, maybe you're that relative that nobody wants to see. I'm just kidding. But it happens. There's stresses and there's anxieties. Maybe, maybe it's loneliness. You feel like everybody's got a place except for you. Maybe it's health. Maybe you have family and lost ones recently around the holidays. It's always tough. Maybe, maybe it's a longing. Maybe there's desires of your hearts or things that you want in this world, in this life, and it just hadn't happened yet. And we're singing a song about God, you're good. Maybe it's just overall busyness. And you, just like us, you look at this month of December and you go, how? How are we going to do all that? Like it's December 3rd. Isn't that right? Today's the 3rd, right? How, how are we going to fit all this in? You're tired. 
You're, you're, we've got parties, we've got kids stuff, we've got church stuff, we've got school stuff, we've got all of these things, and we just feel overall stressed. And that's just a glimpse, that's the bottom line. Uh, we're going to read our text, but I just want you to press into this today. We're going to do it on purpose. We're going to read a text uh, of, of, of the celebration of, of, of through the angel talking to Mary about Jesus coming, about this hope of the gospel. But here's the bottom line. My only request is this. Just be authentic this season because I start this year off and start this month off of just knowing, God, you are enough. You are, you're our only hope. And we remember the gospel as we're going to take at the end of this service that he's enough. Life will happen and try to squeeze out the hope, and let's fight for it, and let's press in today. So if you'll stand together, let's read our text, and we're going to walk through a, a story, if you will, uh, of the, the, the foretelling of Jesus. It's not a prophecy, as the hope candle is out of the prophecy, but that of an angel, Gabriel, coming to Mary to tell her about the birth of Jesus. You'll note, um, I hope you'll note that this is uh, the first time Jesus' name is mentioned in the prophetic coming of the Messiah. Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we're going to go to 28. In the sixth month, God sent an angel, Gabriel, to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and will give birth to a son. And you're going to give him the name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give you the throne of his father. Give him the throne of his father David, excuse me. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will never end. 34. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and who was told that she was barren and she would not have one. She's in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Let me repeat that again. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary replied, I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. And then the angel left her. Let's pray together. Take just a moment just to be still, pray, ask God to do something great um, that we would all be changed as we celebrate hope. And if your heart is feeling a little hopeless today, would you just be honest with that and ask God to, 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 to open your heart to receive today, to be changed, to rekindle possibly that hope, not because maybe circumstances would change as the kids read in the, in, in the reading, but because of who he is. You pray. Father, it is a joy to be here today. We get to come into this place, we get to gather freely, we get to sing songs about you, songs to you, we get to open up our Bibles, we get to celebrate. And I know, God, just like in my life, the, 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 the calendar seems to squeeze, and if we're not careful, we can miss it. So may us in this room, may we collectively press in, and if there is anybody in this room that is wrestling with hope, searching for hope, may they, may we find it in you and you alone. 
We ask it in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, we had in the, in, the, in the kids' reading about Advent, it's important to know that biblical hope is not optimism. Biblical hope is thinking, hey, it's going to happen, it's going to be okay. It's not a glass half full. It's not just trying to be optimistic about life. It's about an understanding that God is who he says he is and things are going to happen uh, the way he says they're going to happen. Uh, not to bore you, but a couple of Old Testament words in Hebrew, the, the word yakal is the word for hope. It means waiting. Uh, it's the word used with Noah as they waited for the waters to recede uh, and, and to find hope there. There's another Hebrew word called kavah, which it's related to a cord that is pulled so tightly, I hope this makes sense, a cord that is pulled so tightly that there's tension and it's waiting to break. And, and some of you farmers kavah all the time and you didn't even know it. Okay, some of y'all just woke up. You kavah all the time. In, in Isaiah, that word kavah is, is described where God is a farmer and who plants and kavahs for the moisture to bring good, healthy grapes. So every time you plant a crop, you're kavahing, if you will. You're waiting with tense expectation for something to happen, and that's what we're doing. The celebration of Advent, just in case you're on to get on the same page, it is. It's the celebration of the coming. That's what Advent means. The coming of the Messiah, he has come, and he will come. Do you believe he's coming back someday? I don't know about you, but sometimes I look around the world, and I'm thinking, Lord, today's a good day. He's going to come, and that's what hope is. One of the kids wrote in the, in, in, the, in, in, the, in, in the reading that hope, if you're looking for a definition, it is the confident expectation based on the character and the promises of God. Hope is not based on feelings. It's not based on positive thoughts. It is based on a person, and his name is Jesus. Now, we, now hear my heart on this. We, we, we can agree with that, but here's the bottom line. Is that sufficient enough for you when things get tough? See, hope, it's the opposite of despair. We look at God's past faithfulness, and we have the privilege of Scripture, the prophecies, and all of these things to see that God has and He will be faithful. We're going to see His character. We're going to look at the story today in Luke uh, chapter 1, but we've seen these prophecies. I want to share a couple with them, just two of you, two of them with you, excuse me, uh, about the prophecies coming to say the, the Messiah is going to come. On the screen, Isaiah chapter 7, therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Catch this, the virgin, that was in our text today, will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're going to call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. You see, God's promises, they're not distant. He called him Emmanuel. He is present. He is close. God promised the Messiah, the rescuer, the redeemer, in the line of David, the righteous branch that was going to come from the root of Jesse, this righteous Savior that's going to come. The prophet Jeremiah spoke of this in Jeremiah 23, said the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'm going to raise up a righteous branch, Jesus, the king who will reign wisely and do what is just and right in the land. Verse 6 says, in the days Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. That is the name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteous Savior. That's just two as we look at Luke today because we see the prophets foretelling the coming of the Messiah. But our text today, which is phenomenal, it's an amazing story. It's not a story, it's true. It's an authentic thing that happened when another announcement happens, and it's when Gabriel shows up to Mary. So let's walk through this text together, and I want you to think of hope, and I'm going to tie this in. I want you to see there's a lot of good stuff here. Look at, look at verse 26 in your Bibles, if you would. God's going to make a promise again through Mary for telling the birth of Jesus. Look at 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth, now Elizabeth was Zechariah's wife and John the Baptist's mom. That's important. In her pregnancy, in the, that's the little time frame, God sent, 
the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph. This is important. A descendant of David. That was part of the prophecy. The virgin's name is Mary. Very clear. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. So let's stop there for a minute. Verse 26. For 2,000 years since the days of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God has been preparing for this moment. Now don't yawn at this and don't miss it because right here, the first glimpse of Jesus' name being spoken by an angel to Mary. We, we, we've heard of the Old Testament. The Messiah is going to come. The Messiah is going to come. And now the angel speaks to Mary and says, you're going to have a son, and she's got some questions in just a minute. Two times, not to be awkward, two times uh, the angel makes sure that, and Luke records it, that she's a virgin. Her and Joseph have not been together, if you will. Now, why would we describe this? Why is this important? Mary's probably like, why is my love life being described? I mean, I, mean, I get all this stuff, but what's going on here? Because it is part of the prophecy. It's part of this. It is a Holy Spirit, God-driven thing where he gets all the praise and all the glory. God is the one who authenticates this and sends himself. Two words I want you to underline in verse 26. Look at this. After the pregnancy, God sent the angel. That's so important, just a really a small thing, that this initiation of Christmas, the initiation of the Messiah to come, God sends, God has begun, God has started this. Gabriel, go. It's time to do it. It's time to unfold the plan of salvation for the people, for you and for me. All of this comes from God. In verse 27, Gabriel talks to Mary and describes it several times. In verse 28, Mary is favored. The Lord is with her. She is a special recipient of God's grace. And scholars believe this. Just to let this hit home a little bit, this kind of really, scholars believe that she's 13 or 14 years old. I got a daughter that age. Imagine an angel appearing and explaining, this is what's going to happen. You are highly favored. God is with you. Twenty-nine. <laughs> Look at twenty-nine. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. You think, <laughs> and wondered what kind of what's going to happen. What kind of greeting is this going to be? She was greatly troubled. She's thinking, I don't know what's going on here. Why? Why am I having this conversation? Look at verse thirty. But the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid. You have found favor." Okay, good. Finding favor with God. Little comforting. Little reassuring. I mean, angels quite mind blowing. But now it's about to get really crazy. But look at verse thirty-one. She is told that by the angel, says, you will conceive and give birth to a son. You're going to call him Jesus. It's going to be great. It's going to be called Son of the Most High. The Lord God's going to give, you, give him a throne of his father David, and he's going to reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. All of that, there is so much meat in there that is fulfilling the prophecies that's coming to a 13-year-old girl that's told she's going to have a baby, and any mama's in the room, now you're told what you're going to call him. Well, if I don't want to call him, I'm just kidding. But you see what's going on? There's a lot of stuff here. Gabriel speaks the first time, Jesus, it's so cool, this prophecy foretold, this gospel announcement you're going to have a son, and his name's Jesus. You might recall back in Matthew chapter 1 where Joseph had a dream. Found out she's pregnant. He's mad, thinking about leaving. Baby's not mine. My parents raised here. 
God sent an angel to speak to Joseph in his sleep. And in Matthew chapter 121, it says, She will give birth to a son, and you're going to give him the name Jesus. Why? Hear this. Because he's going to save the people from their sins. Clearly, Mary had some questions. Let's look at this, and I want you to see the hope we find. Look at verse 34. Mary clearly has questions. How is this going to be? Since I'm a virgin, the angel said the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And then even the angel Gabriel gives Mary a little, little bit of an illustration, a little bit of a reminder. Hey, God does this amazing stuff. Even Elizabeth, Zechariah's wife, and John the Baptist's mom, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she was supposed to be unable to have kids. She's in her sixth month, by the way. When you look at your Bible for verse 37, and I hope you'll underline it, and I hope you'll highlight it, I hope you'll start, I hope you'll do something. Look at what the angel tells her. Mary, with all of her questions, all of her doubts, all of her wonderings, after all of this happens, and look what the angel tells her. For no word from God will ever fail. We'll get to verse 38 in just a minute, but I just want you to see this. I feel like there's people that need to hear that today. I feel like I need to hear that today in those moments where life and schedules and realities and stresses, uh, all the whatever you want to call it, of, of, of the season of ho- are squeezing hope. And I just want you to know because I'm sitting there, we're singing, God, you're so good. God, you're so good. And I'm just wondering, I'm just thinking people need to be reminded. There's some that are hurting. Maybe some that life's going great, but I just thought about this. God, you don't fail. Your promises are coming true. The, the Messiah has come. All of this stuff's happening. It's all coming true. You keep your word. I wonder if there's someone who need to hear that today as you're working through that God's not going to leave you and he's not going to forsake you. He is sufficient. He will be enough when life gets you down. When you have your questions to God and wonder what he's doing, he can handle that. What are you doing, God? Where are you? How is this all going to work out? I'm not sure if I can make it. I just can barely keep my head above water. I don't know how this is going to flesh out. No word from God will ever fail. And that might mean something different to you than the person next to you. But we can trust him and we can have hope in him. Why? Because we can look back and we can see from the promises made to the promises kept. And we look at Mary's story as she's in this moment of going, whoa. What? The angel tells her nothing that God says won't come through. But look at her response in verse 38. I'm the Lord's servant. May your word be fulfilled, or may it be all that you said to be. I, I think about that song. I, I like Christmas music. I was listening to it, putting up the lights the other day. Uh, Mary, did you know? Uh, I listened to it. There's a, a bunch of different things. Beautiful, amazing song. But every time I hear that, I think, yeah, she knew. <laughs> she knew a lot of it. She didn't know all the details, but Mary, did you know that Gabriel told her, you're going to have a son, name him Jesus. All this is going to come through. Now, she probably didn't know the details. I'm just being facetious. But I just love this powerful story because we need to be reminded in a world that is so hopeless at times. And sometimes Christians, those who are professed followers of Christ, sometimes we too can have the hope squeezed out of our life because of circumstances. And that's why I believe it was one of the boys that was, that was talking about hope is not based on circumstances. And if you're so much time in your life, I'm wanting this thing, God, you got to change this, you got to do this, but what if he doesn't? What if the things don't change? And Mary is an example of that. 
God's got a plan. It may seem crazy to the world, but we hold fast. We believe in his character, who he is, his promises. He came to live and to die to bring us hope. But, but hear this. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper and the hope of our redemption, of his broken body and his blood that's poured out for us. But here's the thing. Can I, can I challenge you today? Some of you need hope in the day-to-day. Do you think that God wants his people to walk hopeless through this world and just be banking on, someday I'm going to get there? Because I believe and I know it, statistically it's all true, that this season can squeeze the hope out of us. And I just want us to, to rest in that. And maybe there's something that needs to be claiming the authority of God's word. Hey, God, your word's never going to fail. And just like Mary, I'm in. Whatever you got to do, I'm in. That's a paraphrase, but I'm, I'm in. Whatever you got to do, I'm in. Let's go. I don't know how this is going to play out, but I submit to what you're doing, however this is going to be. I know who you are. I know what the Word says your characters are going to be. I know what you have done. I know what you're doing. And I know that you've kept these promises so I can bank on you, not just on circumstances coming true. And we can look at Paul's words as we read this a couple of, you know, about a month ago when I went through Romans. As he quotes Isaiah, listen to this. Romans 15, 12, again, the Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will spring up the one who will arise over all of the nations. Listen to this. In him, the Gentiles, that's us, will hope. And his prayer is this, may the God of all hope fill you with all joy, all peace, as you, ready? As you trust in him. So that you may overflow with the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God is hope. He promises hope. Paul prays that this root of Jesse, King Jesus, from him will rise the Messiah. And this hope within us, it's going to spring as we trust in him. And I'm going to echo the same words I said about six weeks ago in Romans 15. It boils down to trusting him. Before I close, I wouldn't even plan on saying this, but I, I remember I, I've done some funerals, uh, and I remember there's, there's some, the, a quote that I've used, and sometimes families that go through hard things, and there's a quote by Charles Spurgeon. I just thought about it just now, but there's moments when you can't see God's hand, when you're kind of, I don't know, what are you doing? And Charles Spurgeon says, when you can't see God's hand, and it doesn't make sense, he says, trust his heart. Just like a child with parents, it'd be like, I know you don't understand it, and I know in this world you may not always get it, but Trust my heart. Trust the character. Trust that I'm always for you. I'm always going to be for your good. No word from God will ever fail. I'll close with this, and then we're going to pray. Our Advent devotion we have, I want to read this to you, and then we're going to pray and take the Lord's Supper together. we got more of these coming. This is from day one. Listen what, what, what this says. God's going to take on human flesh. And he's going to invade a sinful, broken world with wisdom, power, glory, and grace. But he wouldn't descend to a palace. Instead, the Lord Almighty, the Creator, the sovereign King over all things, he would humble himself and take on the form of a servant. He would live on the behalf of others. He would live the life we could never live. He would willingly die the death that you and I deserve. He would willingly rise from the tomb and conquer sin and death. He would suffer every single day of his life so that he could, with his life, give grace to rebels. So he could extend love to those who would deny his existence, to impart wisdom to those who think they know better, and to extend forgiveness to everyone who would seek it. 
His coming stands as an affirmation that he will not relent. He will not be satisfied until sin and suffering are no more, and we are like him, dwelling with him in unity, peace, and harmony forever and ever. Would you pray with me? I'm going to ask you to bow for just a moment. I'm going to play a song for you. I want you to prepare your heart to take the Lord's Supper. And I'm doing this on purpose. It's going to seem like a few minutes because I want to give you time. I want to give you a moment, like a minute, minute and a half. It's not much just to sit and be still and rest and just focus, take a deep breath, relax, and prepare your heart, not just for the Lord's Supper, but for Advent, for Christmas. And if you're struggling with hope, just come to him. God, I trust you. Help me to trust you. Your word will never fail. So you listen to this song, and I'll call the deacons down in just a minute.